Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Today we are on Season 2, Episode 15, Before and After. Now this episode originally aired on January 24th, 1987. So, what other interesting historical events occurred on January the 24th? Well, in 1789, uh, Louis the 16th of France issues an edict calling for the convocation of the Estates General. It's, of course, a major event in the French Revolution. In 1899, rubber heels for boots or shoes are patented by Humphrey O'Sullivan. In 1927, Alfred Hitchcock releases his first film, The Pleasure Garden. Uh, in 1935, the first canned beer... Kruger's Cream Ale is sold. In 1958, after warming to 100 million degrees Fahrenheit, two light atoms are bashed together to create a heavier atom, resulting in the first man-made nuclear fission. Or fusion, sorry. Uh, fission would be separating them. <laughs> uh, in 1964, the 24th Amendment to the United States Constitution goes into effect which simplified states that you are still allowed to vote even if you do not pay taxes. In 1984, Apple unveils its first Macintosh personal computer. In 1986, Mike Bossy scores his 1,000th career point in the NHL. In 1989, the first reported case of AIDS being transmitted through heterosexual oral sex occurs therefore sparking nationwide panic over the AIDS crisis much too late. And in 2019, the United States government recognizes Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido as the country's president. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> yes, this guy wants to overthrow the Venezuelan government and has been given the support of the U.S. government for better or worse uh, at the moment. So, uh, that's our history lesson for the day. So what happened in this time-turning edition of the Golden Girls? Huh. <clears throat> I think, I, not, I don't really remember what before and after refers to. I don't really remember anything about this episode. It's been a couple weeks since okay. I watched this one. I don't well, really remember anything Then my plot it. recap should get you up to date. On this, the 40th overall episode of The Golden Girls. Um. We start in the kitchen. Rose is putting the final touches on a cake. Sophia enters and wants to know what it is. Sophia tells her a wedding cake for Joni Winston up the street. You know Sam and Edna's daughter. Sophia says, that's a girl. Woof. All right. Dorothy comes in through the swinging door and Rose asks her, why is she up? And she replies that it was Sophia's banging that woke her. It was Sophia's banging of the toilet seat. A small discussion about the toilet seat. Uh, Sophia says just get her a litter box to have next to her nightstand. And Sophia leaves and Dorothy asks Rose if that is a wedding cake. Well, of course it is. For little Joni Winston, Dorothy wonders how she'll fix the hair on her ears. 
while Blanche comes into the kitchen from the back door and says the wildest part of the evening was when the Latin busboy dropped his crumb brush in her lap. Blanche sees the cake and is hungry and wants to cut it up and eat it. Rose says it's okay for the wedding. Uh, or she says it is for the wedding. But if you're really hungry, she'd still have enough time to make another one before the wedding. Of course, she still has 3,000 envelopes to address. After she picks up the decorations for the hootenanny at the church, which will still give her time to wash cars in the afternoon and give blood before seven. Dorothy says, that is insane. Rose needs to learn how to say no. Yes, they, they decided it is time for Sundays. Though, I thought it might be cheesecake they were going to go for, but no, nope, it's Sundays. Rose wants to know if any of them saw a piece of paper with directions on it. They haven't. Rose says it is the directions for the wedding. She is supposed to get the cake there by eight. She leaves to the living room and Blanche and Dorothy continue small talk in the kitchen. We hear a thud and maybe a phone ringing from the living room area. Blanche and Dorothy rush there. In the living room, Rose is on the floor grasping her heart. Rose tells them to call an ambulance. Now we're in the hospital waiting room. Blanche, Dorothy, and Sophia are there with some other people. Blanche is worried. Well, shouldn't they all be? <laughs> She hasn't seen Rose look that bad. Dorothy is also worried, but Sophia tells them to knock it off. There is nothing to worry about. She says, at her age, you get pretty good at spotting the 12 warning signs of death. That's number one, your children start visiting during the week. Oh boy. Number two, your doctor won't let you post-date a check. Yes. Number three, you can't eat cream of wheat because it is too spicy. And Dorothy tells her to stop. This could be serious. Sophia then admits that if anything did happen to Rose, it would be like losing one of her own children. Sophia is going to the cafeteria as her canasta club gives the hospital jello three stars. Wow. She leaves. A doctor comes out and asks for the ladies with Rose Nyland. It is Dr. Wallerstein. And Blanche says, Rose is going to be okay because her doctor is a Jew. Uh, the girls want to know how Rose is, and he tells them to go back and see for themselves. So we're in Rose's room now. Rose is in a hospital bed, of course. And Rose will be fine. It was just an esophageal spasm. That is, a constriction of the food pipe. All right. It can be painful, but usually not very serious. The doctor wants her to take it easy for a few days. He wants her to relax there for a few more minutes than the girls can take her home. The doctor leaves. Yeah, Rose tells them that she died. Yes, she died and went to heaven. Dorothy says she didn't die. She passed out and hallucinated. Remember that New Year's Eve party when Rose had the three margaritas? Rose thought she was an animated broom in Fantasia. Yes, Rose tells them that she really did die and went to heaven. It was kind of the outskirts of heaven. It was a big train station like Grand Central Station, only cleaner and without the Hare Krishnas asking for money. Rose continues to describe the area. It included a souvenir shop. On the departure board, everything said destination heaven. 
which would be a good title to a movie, she thinks. She continues and finally finishes. She died and came back. She is given a second chance. She is going to live her life as a new Rose Nyland and eat life. Yes. Sophia enters and asks how she feels. She tells Sophia she died and went to heaven. Sophia whispers to Blanche to find out what pills they gave Rose and get a doggy bag. Alrighty. Now we're in the dark living room. The phone is ringing. And Dorothy comes from her bedroom to answer it. The caller wants Rose, who is not there. Do they have any idea what time it is? It is not party time. It is sleepy time, and that was not an invitation. Dorothy tells the guy that he cannot die from that condition. It is just uncomfortable. Take a cold shower, and the correct color will return. All right, she hangs up, and Blanche enters from the bedroom hallway and wants to know who it was. Dorothy says, another one of Rose's new friends. And Blanche says, friends, they are more like animals. All they do is party all hours of the night, and Blanche is abhorred. Sophia enters from the bedroom hallway, carrying her purse, and says that they know what Blanche is, but it is glad to hear her admit it. Ah, they discuss Rose and her new lifestyle. Sophia says she likes life cereal, and after the shredded wheat is gone, she should get life, give life cereal a try. Sophia leaves to the kitchen. Dorothy and Blanche continue talking, and Dorothy once again states she is worried about Rose and her new lifestyle. Blanche says that Shirley MacLaine has died five or six times and still as sweet as pie. So Rose enters from the front door and says she's glad that the others are still up. Rose says they are on their way to the beach for a sunrise breakfast and invites them. Of course, they turn her down. She says, okay, she just needs to grab a few blankets and she'll be on her way. Dorothy wants her to sit down as they have to talk. But Rose can't as she has six people waiting in the van they are kind of a rowdy bunch. They talk about this new lifestyle. Rose is just getting impossible to live with. So Rose says there is just one thing to do. She'll just have to move out. Yes, we're in the kitchen now with Blanche and Dorothy at the table. Sophia enters through the swinging door and says she got a letter from Gina Marie Donatelli. Her cousin Joe is hanging wallpaper in Tony Bennett's guest bathroom. He says celebrities stop by there all the time. And one day he saw Dean Martin, Liberace, Don Rickles, and Mitzi Gaynor. Whew. Rose enters through the swinging door and says she is ready to go. Sophia wants to give her a little advice before she goes. Sometimes in life you start out down one path. Suddenly the wind changes direction and you find yourself swimming upstream looking for new horizons. Dorothy wants to know what the heck all that meant. And Sophia says if she was a short, bald guy in a diaper and spouting this gibberish, she would be running India. All right, they say their goodbyes and Rose leaves. Now we're in some fancy apartment in the next scene. Rose is walking around arranging some stuff. Rose says hi to Stephanie, who gets her name wrong, calls her Rhonda. Yes, we get some small talk between the two and learn Stephanie doesn't like the beach, but lives here because it is close to work. Stephanie asks for a Valium, which Rose does not have, but she has a tangerine lifesaver. Yes, right. 
Stephanie refuses it as she doesn't like the hard stuff. Another lady enters. She is Liz, apparently a flight attendant, and she says that London flight is a killer. She has to be in Paris in 12 hours. Wow. Rose introduces herself as they have not met. Liz thinks she is Stephanie's mother, but Rose sets her straight about that. Liz heads to her room. Rose sits down and asks Stephanie some questions about Liz, but Stephanie doesn't know the answers. We find out that those two, Stephanie and Liz, have lived together about a year, but they go their separate ways and aren't really friendly. Rose says she is a loner, a rebel, and she can't believe she is now living right on the beach. Yeah, she begins telling Stephanie, who isn't really listening, about the first time that Rose saw the beach. It was on her honeymoon. Her husband and her drove from Minnesota to New York. Well, actually, they were driving to California, but they were young and in love. And Stephanie gets up and leaves at this point while Rose continues. And Rose was blowing in Charlie's ear and he lost his sense of direction on the turnpike. They were just so crazy about each other. Rose now knows Rose. Now Rose notices that she is all alone in the room. She doesn't seem too happy about being a loner. All right, now we're back in the girls' living room. Dorothy sitting on the couch. And Blanche enters through the front door. Dorothy wants to know what all that stuff is that Blanche is carrying. Blanche says she knows they've been down in the dump since Rose left, so she bought them something. So she starts giving out the presents. And she has about six or seven for her before she gives one to Dorothy. Dorothy opens it up and what is it? It is edible panties. All right, Dorothy loves them. She might have the waistband with some milk before she goes to bed tonight. Sophia comes in from the kitchen and wants to tell them a story. But both of them say, no, no, a short story, no an antidote and she won't take no for an answer so picture this 90 year old twins ralph and nunzio sitting on a park bench and ralph says to nunzio whatever happened to that streaking craze nunzio says what streaking craze and ralph says when everybody took off their clothes and ran down the street ah oh, nunzio says hey that sounds like fun i'll do it right now so at 90 years old, he gets naked, goes off down the street, right past these two old ladies, Carlotta and Maria. Maria turns to Carlotta and says, what was that? And Carlotta says, I don't know, <clears throat> but whatever it was, it sure needs ironing. Okay, there's a pause. And Dorothy then asks, what was the point? Uh, Sophia says, with the story, you get a point. With an antidote, you just get pure entertainment. Uh, Dorothy says they are upset about Rose and they don't want entertainment. So Sophia says she will give them a point without a story, but just this one time. If you miss her, go tell her. Maybe she misses you. Uh, so Blanche and Dorothy decide to go see Rose. So now we're back at the fancy apartment. Rose enters the room and says hi to Stephanie. Then Liz enters from another room and says her flight was canceled. Rose states that this is the first time in two weeks that they have been together. Stephanie and Liz are leaving. They have plans, uh, of course not together. As they open the door, we see Blanche and Dorothy in the hallway. 
Stephanie and Liz leave. Blanche and Dorothy enter. Rose wants to know why they are there. Dorothy states that they were in the neighborhood and just thought they would stop by. Rose lies a bit here and says it's lucky they caught her as she is usually out with Steph and Liz and the beach crowd. Rose says this is a dream come true. And Blanche says they came here for a reason. Dorothy then interrupts how happy we are that you're doing so well. Yes, they need to leave now since Rose was going to meet up with the other two girls and do some beach stuff. So Dorothy and Blanche start to leave and tell Rose that this is a nice place. They do exit and close the door. Rose waits a second or two and then uses the intercom to call the front desk and ask if two ladies just left, which the doorman, doorman, intercom person, says yes. She waits a couple more seconds then goes back to the intercom and rings the bell person and tells him this is Rose Nyland in room 118 and that they haven't actually met and this may sound a bit bold, but she was wondering if he could, if he would like to go and have a cup of coffee. He would like to, but at this moment, he is pretty heavily involved with 122. Ah. Rose leaves the intercom area and wanders around the lonely room for a little bit. She sits down and hugs a cushion on the chair. Now we're back at the house. We're in the kitchen where Dorothy is sitting at the table, and Blanche enters from the swinging door and says it is Saturday night, and Blanche Devereaux, the most stunning woman to come out of the South since Miss... Tallaloo Bankhead does not have a date. Dorothy doesn't have one either. Yeah, well, that's normal. Blanche sits at the table and they discuss what they could do, like clean out their closets. And Rose sneaks into the kitchen from the laundry room door. Those other two girls don't see that. Blanche says they could go to a movie. And Rose speaks up and says they could do what they normally do, talk dirty and pig out. Ah, the girls take Rose back, and Dorothy starts telling Rose about the letter that Sophia got, and Blanche says that Tony Bennett was always so sweet to her. He may have left his heart in San Francisco, but he left his shorts on her radiator. <laughs> and the episode ends as Blanche is saying, picture this. Well, they make a few uh, cultural references throughout this episode. Not too many, though. Uh, the first to Fantasia, which of course is a 1940 animated film. Uh, the third animated feature released by Walt Disney Studios. Uh, it consists of eight animated segments, all set to pieces of classical music. Uh, so that is that. Uh, Grand Central Station, or Grand Central Terminal, uh, is a commuter rail terminal located at 42nd and Park Avenue in Midtown. Uh, it is the southern terminus of the Metro North Railroad's Harlem, Hudson, and New Haven lines, serving the northern parts of the New York metropolitan area. It also contains a connection to the New York City subway at Grand Central and 42nd, and the terminal is the third busiest train station in all of North America after Toronto Union and New York Penn stations. It is also one of the world's 10 most visited tourist attractions with 21.9 million visitors in 2013, excluding train and subway passengers. 
Its main concourse is often used as a meeting place and is featured prominently in many films and television shows. It also contains a variety of stores and food vendors, including a food court on its lower level concourse. It was opened in 1913. Uh, it was built on the site of two similarly named predecessor stations, the first of which dates back to 1871. Uh, it is currently uh, under renovation, and is ex those renovations are expected to be completed in late 2022. Uh, so that is Grand Central Station. Uh, Hari Krishna's. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what she was referring to with this, so there's two possible exp two possible things she could be referring to: the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which is a religious group commonly known as Hari Krishnas, or uh, Hari Krishna, the 16-word Vaishnava mantra in Buddhism, I believe. I don't think that was it. It's the people. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay, so that the the group here. Okay, so the International Society for Krishna Consciousness is a. I apologize deeply to uh, to this entire group for my pronunciation of most of the words you're going to hear here. Uh, so it is a Gaudiya Vaishnava Hindu religious organization. It was founded in 1966 in New York City by A. C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, the guru and spiritual master of the organization. Its core beliefs are based on Hindu scripture, particularly the Bhagavata and the Sriman Bhagavatam, and the Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition, which has adherents in India since the late 15th century and American and European devotees since the early 1900s. Uh, in West Virginia, the Pradupada's Palace of Gold is now a shrine to the founder who died in 1977. Uh, the movement has been the subject of many controversies labeled a sect by many anti-cult organizations, and some adepts have been accused and condemned of sexual abuse, including towards minors. Uh, the New York Times reported similar stories in 1990, and the organization also faced multiple accusations of child abuse that its leaders acknowledged. In 1977, however, the New York State Supreme Court ruled that it is a, quote, bona fide religion. Uh, the organization was formed to spread the practice of bhakti yoga, in which those involved dedicate their thoughts and actions toward pleasing Krishna. Its most rapid expansions in membership as of 2007 have been within India and after the collapse of the Soviet Union and Russia, Ukraine, and the rest of the ex-Soviet aligned states of Eastern Europe and Central Asia. So that is that. Uh, Life cereal is a breakfast cereal uh, that was formerly made solely of whole grain oat, but is now also contains sugar, corn flour, whole wheat flour, and rice flour. It was introduced in 1961 by the Quaker Oat Company. Uh, it was distinguished by its characteristic brown checkered squares. That's life cereal. Shredded wheat is another breakfast cereal made from whole wheat formed into pillow-shaped biscuits. Commonly available in three sizes, bite size, miniature, and original. 
Uh, both smaller sizes are also available in a frosted variety, which has one side coated with sugar and usually gelatin. Some manufacturers have also produced filled versions of the bite-sized size, containing a raisin at the center or apricot, blueberry, raspberry, or cranberry filling. In the U.S., shredded wheat is most heavily advertised and marketed by Post Foods, which acquired the product in 1993 after, it, after its parent company, Kraft Food, bought it from its longtime producer, Nabisco. Uh, it was first created in the United States in 1893, while it first became produced in the United Kingdom in 1926. So that is shredded wheat. Uh, Shirley MacLaine is an actress uh, who's also an Oscar winner uh, for some reason, uh, for some film. Uh, let's see. Uh, she is also most known for her New Age beliefs and has an interest in spirituality and reincarnation. Uh, she is a six-time Oscar nominee receiving nominations for Best Documentary Feature for The Other Half of the Sky, as well as Best Actress nominations for Some Came Running, The Apartment, Irma Leduce, and The Turning Point before winning the Best Actress Oscar for Terms of Endearment. Uh, she has won two BAFTAs for Best Foreign Actress for Ask Any Girl and The Apartment, won an Emmy for Outstanding Comedy or Music Special, the 1976 television special Gypsy in My Soul. She's also won five competitive Golden Globes, as well as one non-competitive Golden Globe when she won the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the 1998 Golden Globes. Uh, Tony Bennett, or Anthony Dominic Benedetto, uh, is an American singer of traditional pop standards, big band, show tunes, and jazz. He is also a notable painter, having created works under the name Anthony Benedetto that are on permanent public display in several institutions. He is also the founder of the Frank Sinatra School of the Arts in Astoria, Queens. Uh, so that is uh, Tony Bennett. Uh, he has won 19 Grammys, uh, of which 18 were competitive, as well as two Emmys. Uh, has also been named a NEA Jazz Master, whatever that means. Uh, Dean Martin, uh, or Dino Paul Crocetti, uh, was an American singer, actor, comedian, and producer was one of the most popular American entertainers of the mid-20th century. Uh, he was nicknamed the King of Cool for his effortless charisma and self-assurance. Okay. Um, Liberace uh, was an American pianist, singer, and actor, a child prodigy, and the son of Polish and Italian immigrants, Liberace enjoyed... Oh, sorry, I guess I should give his birth name since I've given it for all these others. Wolodziu <laughs> uh, Valentino Liberace. Uh, he enjoyed a career spanning four decades of concerts, recordings, television, motion pictures, and endorsements. At the height of his fame, in the 1950s to the 1970s, 
He was the highest paid entertainer in the world. So that is Liberace. Uh, Don Rickles, an American stand-up comedian, author, and actor. Particularly well-known as an insult comic. Uh, so, um, for contemporary reference, basically, he's Jimmy Carr of the 60s, basically. Um, he received exposure as a guest on numerous talk and variety shows, and later voiced Mr. Potato Head in the Toy Story movies. He won a primetime Emmy for the 2007 documentary Mr. Warmth, which does not sound like a great title. Uh, 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 Mitzi Gaynor or uh, Francesca Marlene de Cisney von Gerber uh, is an American actress, singer, and dancer. Notable films include There's No Business Like Show Business, and South Pacific, the film adaptation of the stage musical. That is her entire Wikipedia page. So that's Mitzi Gaynor. Um, they bring up Valium, uh, also known as diazepam, which was first marketed as Valium, uh, is a medicine of the benzodiazepine family that typically produces a calming effect. Uh, it is commonly used to treat a range of conditions, including anxiety, alcohol withdrawal, uh, benzodiazepine withdrawal, muscle spasms, seizures, sleep troubles, and restless leg. It may also be used to cause memory loss during certain medical procedures. It can be taken by mouth, inserted into the rectum, injected into muscles, or injected into a vein. Uh, when given in a vein, it effects begin in one to five minutes and last up to an hour and by mouth, effects may take 40 minutes to begin. Curiously enough, no uh, time frame given for rectal uh, effects, how long that takes to take effect. Only vein and oral uh, ingestion uh, are given a time frame there, so I don't know. Uh, so that's a volume. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Lifesavers is an American brand of ring-shaped hard candy. Its range of mints and artificial fruit flavors is known for its distinctive packaging. Uh, edible underwear is a candy product made into a form which can function as underwear, but which is edible was invented by David Sanderson and Lee Brady in 1975 when they formed a company named Cosmorotics Incorporated to manufacture and market the product under the name Candy Pants, the original 100% edible underwear. Now, at first, the United States Patent Office denied their application for a patent on the basis that the idea of candy and pants were incompatible, but later granted the patent, and within weeks, hundreds of thousands of pairs were manufactured and distributed out of the company's plant in Chicago. Now, Candy Pants was promoted as lingerie and clothing shops, major department stores, motorcycle shops, candy stores, okay. and chic emporiums. It was considered naughty innocence. The press founded an outrageous delight, and news coverage pushed edible underwear into the national and worldwide limelight. Now, of course, the product is still available for purchase, uh, mostly through your local sex toy store or sex toy online retailer. 
Uh, Candy Pants also featured in two separate United States Supreme Court cases uh, during battles on for the First Amendment. Edible underwear as Candy Pants was used by the defense for Screw Magazine in their fight to stay on the newsstands despite their content, and then again by the prosecution to attempt to shut down the late-night public access television cable TV show Midnight Blue from airing in New York City. Uh, in 1989, edible underwear was listed by People Magazine as being one of the 434 names and events that define pop culture. Yes, uh, and our last reference uh, was made to Tallulah Bankhead, uh, or Tallulah Brockman Bankhead, uh, who was an American actress of the stage and screen, known for her husky voice, outrageous personality, and devastating wit. Uh, sounds like Blanche describing herself here. <laughs> okay, yes. Originating some of the 20th century theater's preeminent roles in comedy and melodrama, she gained acclaim as an actress on both sides of the Atlantic. Bankhead became an icon of the tempestuous, flamboyant actress, and her unique voice and mannerisms are often subject to imitation and parody. Uh, she was a member of the Bankhead family, a prominent political family in Alabama. Her grandfather and uncle were U.S. senators, and her father served as a member of Congress for 11 terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, though Tallulah's support of liberal causes such as racial civil rights broke with the rest of her family's political alignments, uh, often opposing her own family publicly. Primarily an actress of the stage, she did have one hit film, her appearance in Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat, as well as a brief but successful career on radio. Uh, she later made appearances on television as well, in her personal life, she struggled with alcoholism and drugs addiction and was infamous for her uninhibited sex life. Uh, this does sound like uh, Blanche there, at least the last part. Uh, Bankhead was capable of great kindness and generosity to those in need, supporting disadvantaged foster children and helping several families escape the Spanish Civil War as well as World War II. Uh, she was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame in 1972 in the Alabama Women's Hall of Fame in 1981. Ah, so that is Tallulah Bankhead. Uh, I have one fashion note. Uh, Dorothy in this episode apparently is wearing a very bright yellow bathrobe that I found to be uh, an interesting dichotomy. I found it both uncomfortable to look at, but something I would also absolutely wear myself. Uh, but it was not good to look at. I will give it that. Um, <clears throat> we have a few side characters in this episode, of course. Dr. Wallerstein is played by Nat Bernstein, uh, most known for his uh, work on projects such as Doogie Hauser, M.D. Well, he's mostly a producer. Uh, actually, I think this may be his only acting credit. Um, oh, no, he made a few others. Uh so I guess for an acting career, um, he appears later this season uh, in a different episode, in a different role uh, here on The Golden Girls. He was in the 80s Twilight Zone. Uh, he was in um, 
uh, Punky Brewster for an episode, The Wonder Years for an episode, uh, and something called Project MC Squared. He did a voice role for. Uh, but he's mostly a producer, uh, known for his production work on shows such as Doogie Howser, M.D., The Gregory Hines Show, The Ill-Fated John Goodman Vehicle, Center of the Universe, and The Weber Show. Uh, do Stephanie is played by Rosanna Huffman, known for her work in projects such as Babe, Columbo, Murder One, and What About Bob? Uh, so she was also in ER for an episode. Uh, do Liz is played by Deborah May, known for her work in projects such as The Kid, You Have Struck a Rock. She directed that. Uh, Nurse Betty and her most recent appearance in three episodes of The Walking Dead as a character named Natanya, I believe. I don't know who that is, but nonetheless, she was in. She played that role on The Walking Dead. And the front door voice is voiced by Tony Pope, uh, who is pretty much a voice work guy, uh, but does make a few uh, live action appearances, not too often. Actually, scrolling through, I don't actually see any yet. Um, did he even do any? Uh, yeah, he's in um, The Prince of Light. This is his first live action appearance I see. Uh, in The Prince of Light, he plays a character by the name of Vishwarmatra. Uh, everything else is, I think, uh, all voice roles. So he's most known for his work on projects such as Akira, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and the Transformers TV show, uh, as well as being a member of the stage crew for a movie called Down With Love. It's apparently his fourth most notable uh, achievement, apparently. Okay. Uh, so that is the front door voice. Uh, one new sex partner established in the episode, Tony Bennett for Blanche. So our tally stands, Blanche 26, Dorothy 6, Rose 5, Sophia 1. So that's all I've got for this episode. All righty. Wow. Well, kitchen observation, they, they have a new tablecloth. It's a solid pink one. Uh, for this episode. Uh, I didn't really have much uh, other observations. So, uh, my counts, there was one picture at Story by Sophia. There was one time the girls, of course, moved out, which was Rose, obviously. And Sophia is part of the Canasta Club, which is a game. So, one game. Mentioned... My total counts for all of this. We have four weddings or planned weddings, four physical abuses of Rose, five St. Olaf stories, four picture it stories, six cheesecakes eaten, four Sicily Italian stories, 18 Sicily Italian references. The girls were mad at each other, are moving out nine times now. And 14 sports have been mentioned or played in the series, 12 games, and four 
Stanley appearances. I thought this was a pretty good episode, uh, you know, with a good amount of humor thrown in. Um, but it does seem like a little, um, I don't know, I've never really had a heart attack or anything, or but it seems like a, a very big twist for Rose to go from her normal thing to this super party girl just because of this um, esophageal uh, constriction or whatever it was actually called, but spasm. Uh, well, it lays the groundwork for a later episode when she does the same thing with a different health crisis she has. So, so it, it Yeah, it just seems a little bit, but anyway... Um, I gave this one a 82 out of 100 on my rating scale. Well, I'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye.